Well, good morning, everybody. It is very good to be with you. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. You know, as I've been in this holiday weekend, I've just been really uh, thinking about how thankful I am and how God has been so faithful to Revolve, especially here at Two Mile. It is such a joy knowing that we can gather here under one service. And so praise the Lord for his goodness. You know, as I was praying on what exactly to preach on this week, I felt led to press pause on the book of Proverbs and really share some specific scriptures the Lord has put on my heart just in the past few months as we have been in a time of unrest and uncertainty. And one of the things I feel like God has continued to show me and speak very clearly to me is he's been saying, Christian, keep your eyes on me. You see, we have voices or distractions just feeding us from every direction we look, whether it be half-truths, fabricated stories, or even false doctrine. And it comes through the lens of social media, mainstream media, Republican, Democrat. The point is, is that if we're not careful, we tend to let these things consume our minds and almost consume our everyday thoughts to where people are so divided on so many issues. Now hear me out, I'm not saying we should ignore these things and turn a blind eye to these things because that's not what I believe and that's not what I'm trying to communicate here. What I am saying is that as followers of Jesus, we should be more concerned on hearing and obeying the word of God because Jesus gave us specific instructions. And if I am honest, I see many people in the church today eating up everything they read or hear without testing it with scripture. Rather than going to the Lord and seeking what he says, we jump so quickly and open our ears to other outside voices other than the Lord. So what I want to do now is I want to look at Jesus's sermon on the Mount. This is one of his most famous sermons and it's quite long. And so we're not going to be able to even cover much of it today. But what we see here is that Jesus teaches on a lot of good things. For example, he teaches us how to pray effectively He warns us against uh, adultery, loving our enemies, his followers being the salt and light of the earth. But where I want to focus specifically in this morning's time with you is where Jesus says some really hard things. And so we're looking at this passage of scripture, scripture where Jesus clearly explains in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to go through a narrow entrance. Jesus refers to it as the narrow gate. And in today's world, that way of thinking is just completely unacceptable and it's flat out rejected. Obviously in this country, atheism is on the rise, universalism, new age belief where they just completely deny what Jesus did on the cross and that he was just a good teacher And that life is just about being a good person, that our good deeds will outweigh our bad deeds. And also there's even churches in our own country that deny the concept of hell. As of right now, currently 34% of people who regularly attend churches 
in the United States deny this doctrine, that there is no narrow gate, that there is no hell. And so before we dive into God's word and this heavy topic, please pray with me. Father God, we come to you humbly. I pray, Lord, that you would open every eye and ear in this room, Lord. God, would you fix our minds on what it is that you're trying to teach us in this moment? God, let it not be my words, but let it be yours and yours alone. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. That's Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You see, right off the bat, I just want to say this. The world hates when we say things like this. That even though we are quoting Jesus here, people are angry saying, how dare you? How narrow-minded you are to say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Or they may justify themselves, justifying who they are, saying, I'm a good person. Why would your all-loving God send people to hell? I'm a good person. My good deeds far outweigh my bad deeds. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Jesus is not concerned with those who oppose him or completely disagree with him. You see, Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We see the apostle Peter make the same claim in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. He says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see, some doubted Jesus. Some turned their backs on Jesus. Some abandoned him. People mocked him, yet Jesus was not concerned. Jesus was more concerned in doing the will of the Father. And what was the will of the Father for Jesus? It was to come down to earth and rescue sinners. When Jesus began his ministry, you may remember this, one of the first things he says, he says, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the sad reality is that in our society today, we are tempted to widen that door to widen that gate. To, and what I mean by that is to water down the truth and make it more acceptable to people, to make it more appealing to people. But when we do that, we are spitting in the face of God and we are denying the faith and we are simply misleading other people. According to Jesus, we would be referred to as a false prophet or a false teacher. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. It says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, 
the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. We see here that God's word is very clear, that there is only one way to heaven. And so looking at verse 13 and 14, Jesus is referring to the narrow gate, that we're not called to just look at the gate. We're not called to admire the gate. We're not called to reinterpret the rules of the gate. No, we are called to enter into the gate that is established. And to enter that gate means that we have biblically responded to the gospel, faith alone in Jesus. In Acts chapter two, we see a great example of this. Think of when Jesus, he already ascended into heaven and Peter preaches his first sermon to the Israelites in the book of Acts. The Bible says that they were pierced to the hearts, meaning that they were convicted. And they respond to Peter by saying, brother, what should we do? And Peter simply says, repent of your sin, believe in Jesus and what he did for you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now notice, and I want you to take point on this, notice I didn't say that it was about praying a prayer, and accepting Jesus into your heart. This has been modern day American evangelism built on sinking sand with the danger of disillusioning millions of people in the church today, thinking that they are saved simply because they asked Jesus into their heart. And guess what? I do not see that in scripture. There are many pastors and youth pastors throughout this country where their goal is to simply get their people to raise their hand after giving a sermon and pray that simple prayer. And if we are not careful, we will take the gospel, the lifeblood out of Christianity and try and water it down and put Kool-Aid in its place so that it will taste better to the crowds. And I'm convinced many in our churches today are deceived into believing that the life of following Jesus is easy, that it's not a difficult life, that it's just about coming to church on Sundays, maybe even attending our discipleship group. And then I'm good. I've, I've checked the box where Jesus actually says something much more clear. He says, in Matthew, uh, Matthew verse, or chapter 16, verse 24, he says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, to sum this up quickly, what does that mean to deny yourself? That means that this life isn't about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about living for the American dream and having nicer things. It's actually the opposite. It's about sacrificing your time, sacrificing your finances, sacrificing your comforts, and even your own reputation. And right after Jesus says to deny yourself, he also says something very interesting. He says, take up your cross. What does that mean? To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only. It was a death sentence. And so when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, 
He's basically saying, you must be willing to die in order to follow me. Obviously, we live in a country where as of right now, we can come freely together and worship the Lord and praise God for that. But mark my words, there will be a day, and I believe that it's already somewhat beginning to happen. There will be a day in our lifetime, or if not our kids' lifetime, that persecution will increase much, much more. And those who have counted the cost of following Jesus will endure to the end. But according to scripture, many will flee from God. And so where will you stand? And the question, the reason I asked that question, where will you stand? Because we need to go back to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, where Jesus says that the wide gate is easy and it leads to destruction and many find it. Not few, but many. You see, our world would have us believe that only a few bad people will head to destruction They think of people like murderers, rapists, people like Hitler. But the majority of people, it's just going to work out for them. And that is not what Jesus says. You see, all religions look to good works to save. There are many different world religions out there and many different philosophies. And they're all saying the same thing. Let me point this out. Hinduism says that if a person is good enough, they can ultimately eventually escape this life and be one with the universe. Buddhism says that if a person is good enough, they can reach nirvana and they can cease to exist and they can leave this world of suffering forever. Islam, they say if a person is good enough by doing good works, that Allah hopefully gives them enough grace and they are lucky if they reach paradise. Each religion, whether they believe in a God or they even think they are a God, which sounds crazy, but yes, some people do believe that they are gods. They all have a system to enter heaven or what they call paradise based on their own efforts, based on their good works. And listen, let me just tell you this. This is completely counter to the gospel. This is completely counter to the Christian faith and what we believe in. If you are here today and you think your good works save you, that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, you don't understand the gospel. You can't earn your salvation. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not about the good works you do. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the question we must be asking is, why is it that people get stuck on thinking they can earn their salvation, just proving that they're good enough? This happens because each living person inherently on earth knows that our world is absolutely broken. We can turn the news on and we can see it is not the way it should be. We see so much hatred, division, war, suffering, and yes, even death. But it's important to remember that this was God's, not, not his original plan. 
Because in the beginning, in Genesis, everything was perfect. There was no such thing as death. There was no such thing as suffering or anger or even sin. But we see in Genesis chapter 3, we see man rebel or sin against God, and then the world becomes cursed. And now as man and humans, men and women, we have now inherited Adam's sin. And so now that man is in this broken world, we humans don't like it. So what do we do? We try to escape it. Some people think, you know, if I just have enough money, if I just have that car, if I just have that house, or I just have that career, then I'll be happy. Then I will be satisfied and I will be filled with joy. Or some people want to escape brokenness by resorting to alcohol or drugs. You see, we always want an easy way out. We want the quick fix. And Jesus says, the easy way is not the way you think. The easy way is hard. The hard way is easy. Jesus says that there will be difficulties, but my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let's look at verse 14 where it says, For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, the narrow gate is referred to as hard. It leads to life and only few find it. Now, let me just stop there because I don't know about you guys, but this message or this invitation of being a follower of Jesus doesn't sound so appealing. Imagine if you don't know Jesus at all, or you know very, very little about him, and he basically says to you, hey, follow me, but you must deny yourself. You must take up your cross. And by the way, people are going to hate you. People are going to persecute you, and you you might even die from it. It almost sounds like a lose-lose situation. Because in the narrow gate, it's like we lose our pride, we lose our comfort, we lose our right to live the way we want, but we get the forgiveness of sin, eternal salvation, which is worth it all. It far outweighs any trial and tribulation that we face here on earth. Listen to me, look at me. When we understand that it was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross and that we deserve the penalty, we are overjoyed. We feel undeserving of God's grace and mercy. And most importantly, we feel compelled to share this gospel, to share this good news. Now, again, the world will continue to reject the narrow gate. We see that the world embraces many ways to heaven, that, you know what, my good deeds far outweigh my bad deeds. I'm a good person, and so I go to heaven. They, essentially, what they've done here is they've created their own idea of who God is that they're comfortable with. Or you'll have people who have attended church for a period of time in their life, and yet they never surrendered their life to Jesus. And so what do they do? They blame people in the church for why they don't attend, when in all reality, they want nothing to do when it comes to surrendering their life to Jesus. They reject the ideas of Christian community. 
the idea of Christian accountability or pursuing holiness. They just want the benefit of going to heaven by knowing God. That's the easy way. And my fear is that the American church has done a really good job into deceiving people that the Christian walk is easy. Just pray the prayer so you'll be saved. Just accept Jesus into your heart and your life will be better. God will improve your finances and God wants to heal your cancer. And no, that is a false gospel. Let me put it to you this way. Every one of Jesus's followers risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. And they all died a terrible death. Paul, he was beheaded. Peter, he was crucified upside down. Thomas was pierced by spears. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was stoned to death. And yet we have the audacity to glamorize pop culture Christianity. Flashy lights, big stages, idolizing pastors, idolizing worship leaders, while Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, come suffer. If you want to be my follower, deny yourself. If you want to be my follower, take up your cross. If you want to be my follower, you will be persecuted. But Jesus is worth it. My fear is that we Americans, including myself, so hear my heart on this, is that we hold so tightly to the idols of comfort and safety. You see, it's safe to come to church on Sundays. It's safe to not share the gospel with those who are closest to us because we may fear what they think. It's safe to donate some items to the homeless but never actually open up our home to them. That's safe. Can I just tell you that way of thinking is so counter to what Jesus did here on earth. Jesus was not concerned with safety, nor was he concerned with whom he upset. He was more concerned of doing the will of the Father. The same went for the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. Look at Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. It says, And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await message. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And so look at Paul's words here. He is literally saying, I have no idea if I'm going to be killed. I don't know if I'm going to be arrested again. I don't know if I'm going to be stoned or falsely accused You see, Paul was more concerned about doing the will of the Father. And so my question is, what about you? What are you more concerned about? Because this absolutely ties in with our question, how do we enter this narrow gate? 
Remember, Jesus says that this way is hard. It's not easy. And so have you counted the cost of following Jesus? Or are you more concerned about pleasing man than you are concerned about doing the will of the Father? Doing the will of the Father no matter the cost. Whether that means you might lose a job, you might lose some friendships or relationships in your family, your reputation, persecution, the list goes on. If you've ever gone prayer walking with myself or Pastor Bill or even uh, Dave McCumber, um, you have heard us talk about the statistics of Cape May County. As of right now, there's a little over 93,000 people here. And that doesn't uh, include the tourists that come here during the summer season. This is just the people who live here year, year round. Now, if you were to go to your local Baptist association or website, they're really able to identify how many lost people are in each community within the United States. Lost meaning that if they were to die today, they would be eternally separated from God, that they would not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so the the statistics show that out of the 93,000 people, that 83,000 people in Cape May County are lost. That statistic should break our hearts but it should also compel us to reach people right here in our backyard. And so let me ask you, what's it going to take to reach the lost with the gospel? Some of you here might be saying, well, Christian, I'm not an evangelist, so I don't really feel comfortable sharing my faith. No, God has commanded all of his followers to make disciples, all Not just some, not just a few, not just the people who are good at speaking, but all. Now, this may look different for each and every one of us here. Some of us may like to go prayer walking. Some of us might like to connect with people at where they work or at the gym. Or some of us might like to do a discovery Bible study with others. But the point is this, is we can all All of us here can reach our social circles. What I mean by that is the people that we know from our closest family to our neighbors, to coworkers, to maybe the same gas attendant that we see every week who pumps our gas. Listen, the Bible says that many are walking in the direction of the wide gate that leads to death. Many. And so my question is, will you walk in obedience to do the will of the Father? You will face opposition. You will face persecution. And yes, you might even have family or friends who may turn against you. But let me tell you, Jesus is worth it. And so what I want to do now is I want to stop and end here and we'll do a table discussion and you should have it on your sheets right in front of you. And answer these few questions. The first one says, what does it look like for you to individually to deny yourself and take up your cross daily? And after that, go to the next two questions. And once you're done discussing those between your table, we'll uh, close in prayer. All right. 